Sunshine Radio, the hospital radio station for Western Supermare. Hello. Me again. You again. Oh, welcome back. And welcome to the Sunshine Cinema Club. I'm Marcus, and alongside me is Nick Chaffee. Hello. Now, for those who don't know, Nick Chaffee is the man that loves movies so much that he's working on a musical adventure fantasy about a magical flying car that takes its passengers to the capital of North Korea. (laughs) You know where this is going, don't you? Pull pull the trigger. (laughs) He's called Chitty Chitty Pyongyang. Love it. On today's show, we will be reviewing the latest Hollywood version of the Robin Hood story in the movie they've cleverly called Robin Hood. Later on, we'll also discuss one of the biggest sequels of the year. It's Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. And just for fun, I will test your film knowledge with famous film quotes in the Take 5 movie quiz. Right now, though... I'll put you into the safe hands of Nick with the latest movie news. Yeah, the headlines, BFI to refuse funding for films with facially scarred villains and judged Red Publisher to open UK film and TV studios. The British Film Institute will no longer fund films in which villains appear with facial scarring. As part of a campaign by Changing Faces, a UK charity campaigning to end discrimination against people with visible differences, the BFI has pledged to support their I Am Not Your Villain initiative, which focuses on ending the use of, quote, scars, burns or marks as shorthand for villainy. Ben Roberts, film fund director at the BFI, said in a statement, Film has such a powerful influence on society and is also a catalyst for change, and that is why we are committing to not having negative representations depicted through scars or facial difference in the films we fund. This campaign speaks directly to the criteria in the BFI diversity standards, which call for meaningful representations on screen, and we urge the rest of the film industry to do the same. In June, Changing Faces chief executive Becky Hewitt told The Guardian that film's habitual use of scarred evildoers had a particular effect on children and young people. It's particularly worrying to see that young people don't tend to make this association until they are exposed to films that influence their attitudes towards disfigurement in a profoundly negative way. Phyllida Swift, a campaigns manager for Changing Faces, says that Wanda, the 2017 comedy drama starring Julia Roberts, is an accurate recent portrayal while criticising the use of prosthetic special effects and said that the Harry Potter films were the main positive depiction of facial scarring. Roberts cited Dirty God, an acid attack drama directed and co-written by Sasha Polak, which received BFI funding and has just been selected to compete at a Sundance Film Festival as a fantastic example of an authentic, empathetic and positive portrayal. Excellent. I'm, I'm all for that. I'm very, very pleased to hear that's happening. And do you know what? It's one of those things that I think there'll probably be a, a bit of a discussion uh, while it's having that sort of transition period. Yeah. And then no one's going to care. No one's going to go, oh, well, that film would have been better if we learned how to scar. Yeah, that, that was the exact full process I had when I read the headline and then read the, <laughs> read the new story in full as well. So I'm glad we agree on that one. <laughs> yeah. 
The publishing company that owns a raft of British comic book characters, including Judge Dredd, Halo Jones and Sexton Blake, has acquired a former Oxfordshire print works to transform into a state-of-the-art film and TV studio to bring them to the screen. Rebellion, which is one of the UK's biggest producers of video games, comics and books, is a publisher of long-running sci-fi weekly 2000 AD. It has previously announced plans for a TV show based on futuristic lawman Judge Dredd, as well as a rogue trooper film to be helmed by Moon and Warcraft director Duncan Jones. Both will now be filmed at the former Daily Mail printing facility in Didcot, acquired by Rebellion bosses brothers Jason and Chris Kingsley, located near the company's Oxford headquarters. According to Jason Kingsley, the 20,000 square metre site, which costs almost £80 million to build, is ideal for studio needs with soundproofing, parking and ready-made facilities. Should create up to 500 jobs over the next few years. The studio purchase is incredibly exciting, not just for Rebellion, but for the global film and television industry that is booming, but in desperate need of further infrastructure, said Jason. We know firsthand the creativity and talent here in the UK, and this new studio will bring in projects from all over the world, offering opportunity and income to many people in the industry, as well as local companies and services. It also means there will be demand for more UK production, and we can export more of our work globally. Investment in the UK was important for the Kingsleys, who have injected more than £10 million of their own money into the studios. The producer of the upcoming Rogue Trooper movie, Stuart Fennigan, added, Studio availability has been scarce in recent years. Scarce? Scarce, sorry. has been scarce in recent years. Jason Chris and the Rebellion team establishing another major UK studio is huge and thrill for them and that the prospect of being able to shoot Rogue Trooper on home turf. The new venture has received government approval as well. Margot James, Minister of State for the Department and Digital Culture, Media and Sport, said, I'm delighted to see one of the UK's leading independent video game developers branching further into film and TV with this ambitious studio investment in Oxfordshire. This is yet another vote of confidence in our world-leading creative industries and the government is committed to stimulating creativity, broadening opportunities and securing even more growth for this booming sector. Absolutely. I mean, the, the crossover between movies and games now is just... Going hand in hand, isn't it? Yeah, well, and movies and TV as well to, um, to a large extent. As we've seen with uh, you know, Marvel properties and um, Star Wars as well as uh, in the pipeline. If it, if it means that we get more movies like uh, like Dread, which came out a couple of years ago, which yeah. I really enjoyed, was good. Yeah, I'm all for it. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Right, let's give you a rundown now of the top five UK box office films and film rentals, and we will start with the box office charts. And at number five. Seasonal, of course, it's Nativity Rocks. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those titles that makes me laugh, because it just reminds me of, um, like, Dad Rocks, and all of those um, music compilations that try to try to, try to be cool. Um, I'm sure this is fine. I mean, this, this is the fourth in the Nativity series, I think, after um, the, the, the previous three. <laughs> oh, one of which was called uh, Dude, Where's My Donkey, I believe. Um, I've... I don't think I've, no, I've not seen any of them. <laughs> It'll do well, and the kids will enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, good for that. Okay, at number four, we have Robin Hood, which we will be reviewing shortly. Uh, number three, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, uh, I, di- I didn't like it, unfortunately. I mean, I understand why my people might. Um, and I, I've never begrudged them for doing so, because it, it does what, what is expected of a musical biopic. I think it has the songs that you like. And it has a good lead performance in in Rami Malek, but for me, the the changes that they made to the story I just felt were uh, unnecessary at best and slightly uh, derogatory to Freddie Mercury's personal life at, at worst. So, you know, take that. <laughs> uh, number two, we have The Grinch. Yeah, um, third version of third cinematic version of this, I think, because they had the original animated version in the what was that, the sixties. Now I remember going to see the uh, um, the live action Jim Carrey one in uh, the 
I want to say the early 2000s, which was I, I didn't like it. I was I was a child. I didn't like that one. It was quite uh, quite off putting the design was. This is from um, Illumination. Sort of gave us Despicable Me and Minions and The Secret Life of Pets, which was the movie I was trying to remember last time. But um, so I think you know what to expect. Really, sort of goofy kids movie, yeah. but without goofy, obviously the Grinch. <laughs> the Grinch instead. And at number one in the UK box office charts is Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald. Yeah, have you seen the first one? I have not. It's 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 really okay. Okay, so I got got to confess, my my knowledge of the Harry Potter world is very small. Yeah, so it well, would be wasted on me. That's what is, I mean, that's an interesting comparison because I would say that mine is quite large because I was you know sort of grew up with the Harry Potter books and you know and, and the films as well by by extension, um, and I could just could not be less interested in watching this. Really, I feel like maybe maybe it's just me being burnt out. Maybe it's the fact that they've sort of insisted on keeping Johnny Depp as part of the cast, which you know doesn't it doesn't put them in my good books as far as I'm concerned, but. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see this eventually, but um, for now, when it comes to watching it for my own entertainment, uh, I've got no interest in it, sadly. Fair enough. That's just me, I think. But. Let's move over to the UK film rentals chart, and at number five, we have Sherlock Gnomes. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny Depp again. <laughs> He's all over the place. Um, yeah, this is a surprise sequel to um, Gnomeo and Juliet, which came out a few years ago. I love a good pun. So. Yeah. But, but so, so delay apparently. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't, apparently, there's a lot of Elton John songs in this. Oh. I'm not entirely sure why. <laughs> he's doing. He's a busy man, though, isn't he? He's he's got a lot going on. Yeah. He's always yeah. You know, he's you know buying pianos and thinking about them. Yeah. As, as we've seen on the TV. <laughs> on the advert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, number four, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, another another big sequel that I'm not really <laughs> interested in seeing. Um, this appears to be more of the same from the previous Jurassic World movie. A lot of uh, lot of dinosaurs, a lot of lot of, lot of not being uh, chased. Yeah, there's there's a kingdom that falls uh, at some point. I'm assuming in that world. Yeah, that's quite Jurassic. Slightly Jurassic. Yeah. At number three, we have the Greatest Showman. Still there. It's it's going to be there for a long time. I think Look, so. We we weren't huge fans, to be blatantly honest. No. However, I have spoken to people who love it, and I get why they love it. It it is full of colour and and energy and, and music and songs that they enjoy. And you know, people have certain times in their life where songs have meanings, and and some of the songs hit home. And Greatest Showman seems to be doing that for a lot of people. Yeah. I think the same thing applies to, to this as applies to Bohemian Rhapsody, where if if it works for you, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, and, and clearly it does because it's it's been on the chart forever. And <laughs> yeah. um, number two, we have Skyscraper featuring uh, The Rock. It's like Die Hard with The Rock, but <laughs> it's a big building. Yeah, well, yeah, because yeah, you can't even say it's Die Hard, but in a thing because it's also in a in a skyscraper. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the um, I think he's sort of just battling fire in this one rather than people. Yeah, he's know. jumping from one high place to another high place. Yeah, and at number one we have Incredibles two. Yeah, which we reviewed on the on the program last time. Um, enjoyed it. I mean, I think as good as the first one, which um, was you know, certainly unexpected, but um, you know, a pleasant the unexpected surprise. <laughs> <laughs> and 
it won't be long before that is the highest grossing animated film of all time. It's not some track to do that, isn't it? Yeah, it's at $1.25 billion last time I looked. Uh, Frozen currently sitting at number one with $1.29 billion. Okay. So it'll, it'll, it'll get there. It'll it get there. It will, yeah. Lots of money. So there you go. Right, um, up next... Uh, released 110 years after the first Rodin Hood film, Rodin Hood and His Merry Men, our first review on today's show is a new take on Rodin Hood. OK, let's give you the uh, lowdown on the first film review on Sunshine Cinema Club, and it's Rodin Hood, rated 12A. Rodin of Loxley, a war-hardened crusader and his Moorish commander mount an audacious revolt against the corrupt English crown in an action-adventure pact with battlefield exploits and timeless romance. We've done it! We've done it! The Cardinal is coming all the way from Rome. The Sheriff is throwing him a party. And guess who's invited? It's my day off. No days off, English. You rest when you're dead. He's coming because of the hood. Our plan... Is working. It's very easy to say from where you're standing. The Cardinal is one of the most powerful people in the world. Whatever he's come to tell the Sheriff, we must hear it. I think what you mean is I must hear it. <laughs> it will be a flamboyant costume party. The perfect place to put the Loxley charm to the test. We pull the tail. Now we see who bites. Ah! I think that was the noise I made when I was watching the film. <laughs> Well, Robin Hood was directed by Otto Bathurst, who won a BAFTA for his work on Peaky Blinders. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the producers is listed as Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Um, it's his production company. I don't know how much direct involvement he would have had. Yeah, well, I mean, that's something that might come up with Mamma Mia as well, because that was produced by um, Playtone, which is Tom Hanks's company. <laughs> really? So, yeah. I don't, I don't think Leo had much... Uh, Input on on this, well, or maybe it did. I don't know. I don't know. Well, Robin Hood uh, stars Taron Egerton, uh, Jamie Fox, Ben Mendelsohn, Eve Hewson, Tim Minchin, and Jamie Dornan, just to mention a few. Oh, wow, let's get straight into it. Mm-hmm. Nick, how does this one compare with the previous twenty Robin Hood films? Yeah, tw- twenty-one Robin Hood films now. Um, only four of which I've seen. Uh, only two of which I would describe as good. And this is not one of the good ones. <laughs> not one of the good ones. This uh, feels very much like a film that was developed by by lottery. Not funded by a lottery grant or anything, but written and designed by pulling random bo- uh, balls out of bowls. Um, so, you know, I, I think Lionsgate sort of sat in the room and said, OK, we need a franchise. Let's sho- shove our hand in the basin, see what we get. Robin Hood? Sure, why not? It's been almost ten years since the last one. Everyone knows him. Uh, we won't have to pay for the rights or anything. What's it going to look like? Oh, I don't know. Make it look like Batman Begins. Why? Well, forget forget why. Just make it happen. We'll, 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 we'll worry about why later on. And to their credit, they did make it happen. They did make a Robin Hood film that makes that looks a lot like Batman Begins. Um, it just doesn't mesh with the story they're trying to tell. There's no reason for it to look like Batman Begins. It's a very... It's a very odd... I mean, there's a lot of choices that make sense on paper. Like, for instance, you mentioned it's directed by um, Otto Bathurst, who, you know, more than happy for the first, the first few episodes of P.E. Blinders, which I haven't seen, but um, from what I have, you know, from clips and stuff, I can tell it's a very stylish show. So it's natural to think that the same person that would um, sort of make those first few episodes and set the tone of that particular programme would, you know, be able to craft a stylish film. 
And it, it is a stylish film. It just has absolutely no substance behind it, unfortunately. The uh, the script, going back to the, the lottery analogy, it's just a, a blend of scenes that we've already seen in, in better films. There's a lot of Batman in this, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight as well, um, even in the quieter moments. There's a, a retread of the, the training scenes from The Matrix, like the whole, you know, stop trying to hit me and hit me thing. Um, the, the action scene at the beginning during the Crusades is, is pretty much just Black Hawk down, but uh, with, with, with arrows instead of bullets. Still semi-automatic arrows that are, you know, blasting all the way through massive uh, stone pillars. Um, also, th- there's one gag between Robin and Marion regarding his mask, sort of, later on, right about halfway through, which seems clever at first, um, until I realise that it's an almost direct lift of a gag from the Green Lantern movie with Ryan Reynolds, which is, if you're trying to celebrate, celebrate a new franchise, that's not the, the film you want to be compared to. Even the big, the film's big... Um, philosophical message, um, which is if not you, who, if not now, when, is a phrase that we've already seen on hundreds of motivational posters, because it dates back to the first century BC. It was sort of um, it was written by a Jewish scholar called Hillel the Elder. The, the man who wrote it does, didn't even have a surname. That's how how old it is. So oh, the other thing is, with this being a franchise starter, it's got an ending that's angling for a sequel. I mean, well, not so much angling as deep sea fishing. It's it's painful to watch for for, for three reasons for three reasons one there's not there's not going to be a sequel two i wouldn't watch a sequel and three there's nothing in this film to suggest that there's more story to tell and that's something that a lot of these films forget you if you want to make a series you need to give people a reason to show up and continue to show up and uh, that's been this film's problem from day one i feel like i saw the trailer for this every time i went to the cinema in the last I don't know, 10 months or so and I still forgot it was coming out until you suggested it as you know, something to watch a couple of weeks ago. And based on this box office, so did everyone else. Because <laughs> right at the ending, right, right at the ending, there's uh, some extra who gets one line who l- almost looks directly into the camera and says, I'll see you at Sherwood Forest. No, you, you won't. I'm going to talk about the cast really quickly. Taron Edgerton, uh, completely miscast, I thought. I can see why they might have thought he would be a good fit, but it's just... just he just doesn't work. I kept wondering, is is he wooden because the script is wooden? Or is it the other way around? I've decided at this point, um, maybe it's both, you know. Jamie Foxx is... Well, he's Jamie Foxx, but with a, a slightly different voice sometimes. <laughs> ben Mollison puts in a good effort, but he's pretty much indistinguishable from his previous villain roles in Rogue One and you know, Ready Player One. Lots of ones. He's, I think he's, he's basically doing a, an, an Alan Rickman-esque growly voice, but... The difference is that, unlike Alan Rickman, he doesn't have any interesting lines. He, I, I think, well, he has one, but it's right at the end, um, at, at which point it's too little too late, I thought. I don't know if I can say the line. <laughs> P-word? Mm. No. Okay, I won't, <laughs> I won't say it. Um, okay, spoilers for anyone who's going to be... <laughs> anyone who's thinking of watching this film. Um, May Marion is played by Eve Hewson, who does her best, but there's nothing for her to do after the very beginning and that that really bothered me because i feel like the film clearly wants to be seen as uh progressive politically speaking which is you know it's a, a noble endeavor especially in this age in the age but it, it completely sidelines the one female character they have in the cast and that just doesn't sit well with the the rest of it unfortunately oh and, and the music never stops <laughs> wow mm. I, I don't know if I dare ask, but we normally give a film a Sunshine Cinema Club rating out of 10. I'm going out on a limb here. I'm not 
thinking it's going to be towards the top end, but Nick? No, no, it's, um, um, I think the, low, the lowest score we've given a film this year so far, uh, 3 out of 10. And I, I take no pleasure in that. I, 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 feel, I think I feel sorry for it, if anything. It, it, it wants to be good, but it's not. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, up next and still to come, we'll be reviewing the jukebox musical rom-com Mamma Mia 2. Up next, it's the Take 5 film quiz. You're listening to the Sunshine Cinema Club, and now I invite you to take part in the Take 5 film quiz. Getting into the accent already, I hear. So this is how it works. It's very simple. It's me doing it, of course it is. <laughs> Don't be too hard on yourself. <laughs> I'm going to perform... <laughs> I know, I know, love using that word. It's, it's accurate. <laughs> I'm going to perform five famous film quotes, and I need you to simply name the film that the quote is from. Now, I will offer a bonus point uh, for naming the actor that said the line. Nick is taking part here in the studio, so I invite you to kind of go head-to-head with him. And see how you do. As always, I try to find a mix of easy and harder, but you be the judge of that. Okay. Right, I just uh, shake out and get ready, get into the zone. I am a tree, I am a tree. Here we go. You haven't got any vocal exercises to do, have you? Not like I can do live on air. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's start with number one. Here we go. Go ahead. Make my day. Go ahead. Make my day. See, I'm second-guessing myself on this one because mm. I don't know if it's the the first film in the series or maybe a, a later one. Well, I'll leave you to make that decision. Okay, second famous film quote. All right, Mr. DeNeal, I'm ready for the close-up. All right, Mr. DeNeal, I'm ready for the close-up. Some quote, number three. I see dead people. It's, it's, it's difficult to say that in, in any other way, isn't it? <laughs> I try my best. Number four. Hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista, baby. Do you want the full title of this one? Yes, I do. Okay. And finally, number five. Open the pod bed doors, Hal. Mm. Open the pod bed doors, Hal. <laughs> it's interesting that that performance very reminiscent of a character that appears in another film by the same director. <laughs> 
Hmm, interesting. <laughs> You're listening to the Sunshine Cinema Club with Marcus and Nick. And now it's time to get the answers for our Take 5 Film Quiz. So I gave you five famous film quotes. And I asked you just to name the uh, movie that they're from. And as a bonus point, or for a bonus point, tell me the actor that said the line. Okay, number one. Go ahead. Make my day. Okay. Um, Dirty Harry, I think is the film. Oh, but as I mentioned, I did have sort of second guess. Maybe I think maybe it was a later film in the series. But I'm going to I'm going to say Dirty Harry. Okay. Um, and the actor, of course, in the titular role is Clint Eastwood. The actor is correct. Mm-hmm. The film was Sudden Impact. Ah. Uh, was that the one with Guns and Roses in? Oh. No, that was the the Deadpool. I think it was called. Like the, the, the fifth one. Oh really? Yeah. It's a, I don't remember. There's, there's, there's a scene where Slash fires a hub. I think that they they play like a band who's starring in a film or something. They don't have any lines. <laughs> they, they're just there <laughs> because it was the early nineties. Yeah. Number two. All right, Mister Demille, I'm ready for my close-up. Okay. One of my favourite films is Sunset Boulevard. Correct. Uh, and Gloria Swanson. Correct. Number three. I see dead people. Oh, that's the quote. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, pretty uh, pretty obvious one, I think. The Sixth Sense and Haley Joel Osment. Correct. Well done. Number four, Hasta la Vista, baby. Mm-hmm. Another famous one. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Correct. Full title. And Arnold Schwarzenegger. Correct. And finally, open the pod bay doors. How? I think one of those famous films that I think a lot of people would be hard-pressed to name any of the actors involved, unfortunately. Not that that's a knock on them, it's just, uh, I don't know if they were ever in anything else. Except maybe 2010, <laughs> when that came out in the 90s. Uh, 2001, Space Odyssey. Correct. Uh, I've got nothing for the year, the actor, unfortunately. Uh, Keir Delay. Ah, okay. Is, isn't that uh, the name of an effect on the mixing desk? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think it is. Yeah. Stick some key delay on this. Yeah, so I'm much better. Really make it bounce and pop. <laughs> so there you go. There's your five famous film quiz. How did you get on? Nick, top your scores up. Uh, eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Not bad. Did you beat Nick? Did you... Oh, did, you didn't beat Nick? Oh, never mind. You, you did beat Nick. Oh, well done. Good effort either way. Good effort. Coming up next... Set five years after the events of Mamma Mia, Sophie prepares for the grand reopening of the Hotel Belladonna as she learns more about her mother's past. We review Mamma Mia. Here we go again. You're listening to the Sunshine Cinema Club and now it's time for our second film review of the show. Available to rent is Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Rated PG. In 1979, young Donna, Tanya and Rosie graduate from Oxford University, leaving Donna free to embark on a series of adventures throughout Europe. On her journeys, she makes the acquaintances of Harry, Bill and Sam, the latter whom she falls in love with, but he's also the man who breaks her heart. 
In the present day, Donna's pregnant daughter Sophie dreams of renovating a taverna while reuniting with her mother's old friends and boyfriends on the Greek island of Kalakiri. I don't know how to sing about love when I'm not feeling it. Then sing about what you are feeling. I was cheated by you And I think you know when So I made up my mind It must come to an end Look at me now Will I ever learn? I don't know how But I suddenly lose control there's a fire within my soul. Just one look and I can feel out. the rain. One more look and I can get everything. Whoa, mamma mia, here I go again. My, my. Mamma mia, here we go again was written and directed by Ol Parker, who wrote the screenplay for The Best Exotic, Marigold Hotel and its follow-up. The second best exotic marigold hotel, and also credited for writing are uh, Kathleen Johnson and Richard Curtis. Yeah. Now, this film features an ensemble cast so many to name. I'm just going to just throw a few names at you. There's Lily James. There's uh, Amanda Seyfried. There's Julie Walters. Piers Brosnan. Andy Garcia. Colin Firth. Cher. Meryl Streep. Oh, so many, but. Before we can get into your review, Nick, mm. can we just take a second to appreciate how good the title is? Yeah. <laughs> it, it tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? It's, it's Mamma Mia. Again. Yeah. Exclamation mark. And it was the song. Brilliant. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And they, oh, it's so clever. Perfect title. Um, so I'll, I'll start by saying that I enjoyed the first one, because I, I believe it came up before we started this show. So it's, it's good to get it on the record. I, I liked it. Um, I didn't think it was a particularly good film, but it was a good time, and that's that's what mattered. The songs are classic. The story's engaging. It was a, as good as it needed to be. Um, so, with the the vivid the vivid memory of that good time, I was uh, intrigued to learn when the trailer for this one was released that the filmmakers had decided to uh, kill off Meryl Streep's character in, in between films. Because I remember watching that and thinking cynically, "Wow, how much how much money did she want to come back?" Having watched the film, though. Um, I think it's a great decision. And maybe this is a Richard Curtis touch. It, it gives the present-day portion of the film more emotional depth than the first film. Uh, and the the sadness that colours those scenes, I think, is you know, the same kind of sadness that coloured a lot of ABBA's best songs. So, you know, we also get to hear the songs that are maybe more complex and perhaps more interesting than the, than the first one. Like the original, the songs are what carry us through the story. Um, now, unlike the original, I'm not as familiar with the songs being used in this one, and so the story's success completely rests on how well the songs, the, these songs, work as storytelling devices. And in that aspect, I think the film is an absolute triumph. It even made me forget momentarily that "Knowing Me, Knowing You" is the Alan Partridge song, and that takes some doing. Um, I think the decision to have a split story is an interesting one. 
Um, I, I think it works well as a reason to include happier songs with the uh, the sadder ones. It also throws up an interesting, possibly controversial, cinematic parallel. You ready for this? Go on. Okay. I don't want to big it up too much, but I'm, I'm quite proud of this. this it, it occurred to me earlier on, I thought, okay, hang on. Popular sequel to a popular film. Not starring the lead character from the first one, because the they, their character died. With two storylines. One of which looks back at that character's earlier life, and the other following their family as they move on from their loss. This is The Godfather Part 2. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure if anyone else would agree with me, but I, I, I stand by that. I'm proud of making that connection. I know it's too late for the posters, but I'm happy to be quoted on this. <laughs> Mamma Mia, here we go again. The Godfather Part 2 of movie musicals. Based on the works of ABBA. Gotta have that qualifier in there. And like The Godfather Part 2, I think there's an argument to be made that this is better than the first one. I mean, the, the biggest leap for me was the uh, the, the song sequences. Because the original, they were, they were okay, but they, they felt like stage arrangements that were that just happened to be filmed. They were quite sort of, quite boxed in. They didn't really seem to make full use of the uh, the cinematic opportunities. Here, everything feels properly cinematic from the start. The dance sequences are much clearer. They're still bouncy and fun and still oddly abstract in in some places the waterloo one is um particularly <laughs> stranger for and a little bit ham-fisted you see you start thinking why is the maitre d in this restaurant dressed as napoleon oh okay i got it uh elsewhere the returning cast all remain as good as they were in the first one very watchable but the the, the breakout star for me is lily james as the younger than this this is a perfect performance, I think, for for this film. She knows exactly what the film needs. She's not as uh, serious and heavy, heavy-handed as uh, Meryl Streep could be, um, but also not as uh, self-referential and winking as Colin Firth. It's straight down the middle, uh, wonderfully balanced, I think. Um, I could make some quibbles about this, but it's the kind of film that I, d- I don't think it really matters, really. There's some dodgy green screen at the end, that's about it. That's the only complaint I had. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm delighted then to ask you for your score, Nick. Let's get it a Sunshine Cinema Club rating out of 10. You know what? I've got a 7 written down, but I'm going to say an 8. Hmm. I'm going to bump it up because I'm, you know, just, just listening back to what I've been saying, I really did enjoy it. And that's it. Proof, proof, if anyone needed, after disliking The Greatest Showman and Bohemian Rhapsody, that I am not made of stone. <laughs> oh, and the one, the one other thing I'll say is uh, keep watching after the credits. Because, oh, yes, do. Because Nick Fury shows up and he been enlists her in the Avengers. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. There we go. Right. Uh, we've, we're fast approaching the end of today's show, but uh, coming up next, we do have Nick's famous 60-second review. And now on the Sunshine Cinema Club, it's time for Nick's 60-second review, uh, a review of a film that we haven't previously reviewed for your consideration. Yeah, um, so it just happens to have a connection this week. Uh, it's going to be about Baby Driver. So it's uh, written and directed by Edgar Wright, who previously gave us Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. This is a musically driven car chase movie. <laughs> and, uh, like all great car chase movies, it's exhilarating from the, the opening scene. It, it doesn't slow down one bit. The cast is a likable ensemble with uh, Ansel Elgort from Fault in Our Stars, as John Hamm from Mad Men, and... 
Jamie Foxx and Lily James. Uh, it's music, musically driven, as I mentioned, and the soundtrack is top-notch. It features a better use of a Queen song than any scene in Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, it also has a scene in which John Hamm fires a gun in time to the guitar on Hocus Pocus by Focus, which was one of my favourite movie moments of, the, of last year. If I had one minor complaint, it's that Baby Driver doesn't have as much going on under the hood as Edgar Wright's previous films. There's you know, no deeper theme to the story, but that's not a huge problem. This is a car chase movie, first and foremost, and it's a really good one. Oh, six seconds to go. I'm getting good at these. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Excellent. Okay, so as we are fast approaching the end of today's show, we have just enough time to mention some upcoming releases um, at the cinema. Uh, well, actually, this weekend we've got the arrival of a couple of sequels uh, Disney's animated comedy Ralph Breaks the Internet mm-hmm. and the Rocky spin off Creed 2. Yeah, I'm looking forward to both of these. I think Wreck It Ralph we reviewed previously on the program, and I think I said at the time it was one of the, the, the most precisely plotted films um, I'd ever seen. And I, I stand by that. It's a really, really strong story. And you know, hopefully that carries over to the second one. Um, same goes for, goes for Creed, too, actually, as well. I rewatched the first one a few months ago, and um, I, I'm i not ashamed to say I cried a little bit. It's, it, it really does have a, a big emotional punch, which you, you, I don't think you expect from a, a latter-day Rocky film. <laughs> no, that's fair to say. Um, DVDs? Yeah, uh, big one. Um, another big sequel, Mission Impossible Fallout. Six film in the series, still managing to find new and exciting ways to to approach it. Tom Cruise is still owning it. Yeah. Jumping like a young buck. In his late 50s as well. Bro- broke an ankle during one scene and kept on running. Kept on running. <laughs> the footage of that is online, but my word. <sighs> Legend. Maybe we'll do that. I would like to talk more about it next week, I think, yeah, if I possible. Uh, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, also, yeah. also new out. Um, another yeah, sequel. Another sequel. A um, little bit different, sort of um, one of Marvel's sort of funnier properties. Certainly, sort of continues with the uh, the more comedic stylings as, as you know compared to other other films in the Marvel umbrella. And I've mentioned previously, I'm not the biggest fan of Marvel films, but I did enjoy uh, Ant Man, so I am. I'm looking okay. forward to this one. I reckon you'll enjoy this one as well. Cool. Uh, that's that's all I've got. I think. Well, okay, my, my internet's loading very slowly. I do apologise. <laughs> well, again, that's it for the Sunshine Cinema Club today. Thank you very much to Nick. Uh, most of all, okay. as always, thank you to you for listening. Yes. Take care. Goodbye. See you next time. To find out more about Sunshine Radio, visit our website at www.sunshinehospitalradio.co.uk.